Hey there, and welcome to episode number 208 of Marvel by the Month, the podcast that takes you through the history of Marvel Comics one month at a time. In this episode, that month is December 1973. My name is Brian Stratton. Mine is Rob Milne. I'm Jamie Wenger. Gentlemen, we made it to the end of 1973. Yeah! Wow. I love when we reach the end of a year. I know! It's. I feel like we should have like an end of, like an old acquaintance be forgot and all that yeah. celebration, but... Uh, I mean, at least a sound cue. Yeah, Rob, make sure you uh, drop us Done. That'll save time in the editing. <laughs> uh, what a wild ride this year has been. I, I was not expecting 1973 to be this exciting uh, in Marvel, but um, uh, so far, just to take us on a walk through 1973, uh, it started with the debut of the Wendigo and Rob. Rob also made his, <laughs> his yeah. real-life debut um, as a baby. Uh, Luke Cage shook down Doctor Doom for two hundred bucks. That was mint. Uh, and then we also had the night Gwen Stacy died. That was mint Ooh. for different reasons. Yeah, sad reasons. Uh, and then from there we went on to the first appearances of Blade, Brother Voodoo, the Son of Satan, and Howard the Duck. <laughs> One of those things is very much not like the others. <laughs> <laughs> They're all monsters. Uh, we witnessed the Avengers Defenders War and the debut of Marvel's first true antihero, the Punisher. And we wrapped it all up with Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, ushering in the era of Marvel Grindhouse, uh, trademark Joe Keating. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty good. Uh, yeah, I did not. This is another thing I didn't see coming when we, you know, left the Kirby era. Yeah. When we basically passed anything we thought we would be reading yes. before we gave up on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah I kind of, I had it in my head that, like, the history of Marvel Comics was... You know, 1961 it begins. Around 1970, Kirby leaves. Nothing really happens until, like, Frank Miller starts doing Daredevil mm. uh, in 1979 or whatever. And then, or I guess, you know, X-Men come back in 75. Thank you. Yeah. You know, um, he saw the face I was making. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like, it turns out, hey, there was actually a bunch of really cool stuff happening. So do you think that each year at, when we get to the end of the year, we will be pleasantly surprised at the things that happened? Or I hope so. are we running out of those? I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't. I used to think no. And now I think maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we definitely had some years in there that were not super great. Like right. I would say the uh, the years like the year or two before Kirby left, but when he was clearly just phoning it in, uh, that was a little bit of a drudge. Right. But yeah. we still had a good time because the comics got a little off the rails. Yes. And so yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess either way, there's something to celebrate. Yeah. yeah. Even if they get horrifically terrible, we're going to just mystery science theater our way through <laughs> right, that. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, in comparison to the first 11 months of 1973, uh, December is pretty tame. Um, Marvel doesn't really ship a ton of issues this month. Um, there's some fun comics, for sure. Uh, I would say maybe not a lot of what we might consider all-time key Marvel storylines. Mm -hmm. um, so go ahead, uh, sit down, pour yourself a cup of eggnog. Don't think too hard about why a store is selling eggnog in August. <laughs> yeah. At half price! Yeah, they're either, they're either really early or they're really late. Uh, and we're going to take you on a low-pressure tour through some of this month's Marvel comics. Hmm. Uh, but before we jump into the Marvel Comics of December 1973, uh, we're going to take a look at some headlines and comics news for December 1973. Uh, and I am sorry that it has taken me 208 episodes to finally come up with a name for this segment, but here it is. <gasps> Rob, would you please get us started on our 
Journey into History. Wow. I think you've got to say that. Journey into history. <laughs> Again, wow. just if you can put some reverb on my voice at that point, that'd be great. I think you just won a potty award or whatever. <laughs> the D, not a T. Pod, pod D. Two, I'll take either T's. one, honestly. Uh, I do a great job of both. I'm sure, I'm sure he's hit the toilet several times. Um, so let's get into this. On the 6th of December, 1973, the U.S. House of Representatives voted 387 to 35 to confirm U.S. Representative Gerald Ford of Michigan as the 40th Vice President of the United States. Ford became the first Vice President to be confirmed under the 25th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Mm. On the 10th, American serial killer Bernard Giles, known to have killed at least five girls and women, including four the previous month, attempted to claim two more victims in Florida. The two underage girls fought back, escaped his car, and were able to provide police a description of Giles and his car, and had even seen his name on a book in a vehicle. In the vehicle, Giles was arrested the next day and later sentenced to a life in prison. Hmm. Yeah, true crime, true crime. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. True crime. Hashtag in. true crime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the thirteenth of December, uh, Claude Vorhillon, a French sports car test driver and journalist, moved into a new career after experiencing, as he described it an encounter with an extraterrestrial being while in a secluded area. Mm. Within a year, he published his first book, Le Livre que dit la vérité, the book that tells the truth. He changed his name to Rael and established his own cult. What? Oh, man. So if Whoa. you know the Raelians, um, that's where they started. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Huh. Neat. Uh, on the 15th of December, the trustees of the American Psychiatric Association voted 13 to 0 to remove homosexuality from the APA's list of mental illnesses described in its upcoming edition of Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Wow. Seems appropriate, maybe slightly overdue. (laughs) Sure, sure. Yeah. (laughs) The right direction. But probably a surprise to many listeners in our present day. Yeah, yeah, right, uh, right. That it was this long ago. Yeah, 50 Uh, years ago. Yeah. It's it's not (laughs) been a disorder classified by the uh you know american psychiatric association wow yeah uh the resolution introduced by dr robert l spitzer and endorsed by apa president alfred friedman declared that by itself homosexuality does not meet the criteria for being a psychiatric disorder (laughs) by itself and resolved (laughs) that the apa will no longer insist on a label of sickness for individuals who insist that they are well and demonstrate no generalized impairment in social effectiveness Okay. So if you pair, no, never mind. mind. Pass. Uh, On that same day, President Nixon signed into law the Emergency Daylight Savings Time Energy Conservation Act, a bill providing for daylight savings time year round into law. You put an S on that when you said it. The official name has no S, Jamie. (laughs) Marvel by the Month would like to uh, issue an apology to (laughs) President Richard uh, Milhouse Nixon. Uh, clocks were to be set forward one hour to standard time on January 6, 1974, rather than, than on the last Sunday in April, as had been the norm. So I was thinking I would put this in here because, you know, uh, obviously we do not have uh, daylight saving time, daylight savings time year round. Uh, so something must have happened. Uh, I figured with the COD wars coming to an end, we needed mm. another hard hitting <laughs> piece of investigative journalism. So we're going to get to the bottom of this daylight savings thing. Interesting. Yeah. Stay tuned. 
Uh, on the 16th of December, O.J. Simpson of the Buffalo Bills became the first player to rush for more than 2,000 yards in a pro football season, finishing the year with 2,003 after rushing exactly 200 yards in a 34-14 win over the New York Jets. With 1,803 yards before the start of the 14th and final game, Simpson broke Jim Brown's 1963 record of 1,863 yards rushing in the first quarter. Um, whatever happened to OJ? I know he he, he kind of had an acting career there for a little bit, and oh, then he yeah. just sort of dropped off the radar. Yeah, 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 I, yeah that's it. Yep. Okay. Never, never to be all. heard from again. Oh, okay. Except for some bad things. Uh, <laughs> on the 20th of December, American pop singer Bobby Darin, born Walden Robert Casato, died at the age of 37 following heart surgery to repair artificial heart valves he had received almost three years earlier. Whoa. On that same day, the U.S. House of Representatives voted 355 to 4 to pass the Endangered Species Act of 1973. The only opposing votes were from Congressman Earl Landgrieb of Indiana, H.R. Gross of Iowa, Robin Beard of Tennessee, and Bob Price of Texas. It was signed into law by President Nixon on December 28th. And on the 22nd of December, golfer Dewey Brown died at the age of 74. Brown was the first African-American member of the Professional Golfers Association of America, better known as the PGA. Brown was a member from 1928 until 1934, when the PGA amended its bylaws to limit itself to white members only. Whoa. The Caucasian-only clause stood until 1961. Brown was readmitting, readmitted to the PGA in 1965. So yes, there are people alive today walking around who lived during a time when the PGA was whites only. Dang. So, yeah. Gross. Can you uh, imagine living to see that flop, like, flop that's both ways? wild. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that it was okay for him to join when he did and he was a member for several years and then they reversed wow yeah uh on the eve of the massive christ in 1973 <laughs> the district of columbia including the nation's capital washington dc was granted limited self-government including the right to elect a mayor and a 13-member city council as u.s president milhouse nixon signed the district of columbia home rule act into law for more than 100 years, the administration of the district services had been carried out by a subcommittee of the U.S. House of Representatives. Congress still retained the right to veto the budget for the district. Yes. And I believe still has no voting representatives in Congress, yeah. which is why the license plates say taxation without representation. <laughs> oh, whoa. wow. Yeah. Yeah. On the 26th, President Nixon became the only incumbent American president to fly on a commercial airliner as he, wife Pat, and daughter Trisha Nixon Cox boarded United Airlines Flight 55 at Washington's Dulles International Airport and traveled across the country to Los Angeles International Airport. During that flight, Nixon sat in the first class section of the DC-10 and then surprised passengers by walking down the aisle to the back of the aircraft to shake hands. Oh, wow. Boy. As if flying isn't emotionally complicated <laughs> enough. There's Richard Nixon. Yep. We're there definitely going to gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> In uh, entirely unrelated news, on the same day, the controversial horror film The Exorcist, <laughs> directed by William Friedkin and starring Ellen Burstyn and Linda Blair, premiered in the United States. Have you yeah. seen the preview for the new Exorcisty kind of thing with the kids? No. <gasps> oh my god, it's like horrific, mm. like very scary. I'm in. I mean, I am cowardly generally, but this is like <laughs> I think like above and beyond. Just like, <laughs> oof. Uh, 
And on the last day of December, New Year's Eve, Metal by the Month, in Sydney, Australia, heavy metal, heavy metal group ACDC, or Hard Rock, depending on how you look at it, <laughs> performed their first major concert, a New Year's Eve gala at the Bondi Lifesaver Club at Bondi Beach. How do you say that? Bondi? Bondi? I don't know. It's Australian. It made me want to Bondi. say it. It made me want to <laughs> say it weird. Say it with an Australian <laughs> accent, really. Yeah, those vowels don't apply. Yeah. Uh, I but, know we have some Australian listeners. Perhaps one of you could send us a voice recording of yeah. how you say B-O-N-D-I beach. That'd be great. Yeah. Or anything else that we say wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give us a list. Oh, if we, Which could, is, if we could get uh, like a, a, a transcreation of our entire podcast with an Australian <gasps> accent, I think that would do really oh, good. I would definitely listen to that. I yeah. would absolutely listen to that. Yeah. That would be, be like, an app for that. I will not listen to this podcast under any other circumstance. <laughs> Unless it sounds like the original Mad Max without the redubbing. Yep. I will not listen to it. Yeah. Uh, Rob, what was going on in the comics industry in December of 1973? Uh, among the comics professionals celebrating birthdays this month were artist Frank Springer, who turned 44 on December 6th. John Buscema, who turned 46 on December 11th. Letterer Joe Rosen, who turned 53 on Christmas Day. And John Severin, who turned 52 on December 26th. 110 comics were published in December of 1973, nearly two dozen fewer than November. DC Comics published 24 issues this month. Archie Comics published 16 issues, including the first issues of Jughead with Archie plus Betty and Veronica and Reggie, too. (laughs) They were just feeling too constrained before. (laughs) They didn't have enough space to tell all the stories they wanted. Yep, right, right. And then to, you know, uh, compare against that, to contrast, uh, another title is Archie's Clean Slate. Sure. Which was co-published with the Christian Comics imprint Spire. Right. Charlton Comics published only one issue, Ghostly Tales number 110, instead of the dozen issues they had published in November. Whoa, what happened there? I think it's just comics companies didn't want to ship a lot of books in December. I think it was just a a low sales month because um, I just, I think uh, for whatever reason, you would think that with the holidays coming up, that comics would also be boosted by that but i mean this is also before there were like prestige editions or like Hmm. fancy versions of books or or things like that so i think it was really like holiday spending cut into comics budgets and so oh oh, so like kids are buying their parents christmas yeah comics weren't a thing you got for christmas right right right, right. we all do right they'd be getting like a newsweek for christmas yeah like (laughs) and coal coal and newsweek um no offense newsweek yeah, we didn't have our Black Fridays yet. There wasn't right. really, yeah. Um, so <laughs> well, it was outlawed then that you couldn't do that. Right. Oh, right. true. Until yeah, Caucasian Fridays only. Right. Yep. Um, a Gold Key published twenty-four issues, which included the first issue of Fat Albert. Yeah. Sort of. Um, Harvey Comics <laughs> put I out the cartoon. I don't. I, yeah. don't, I have no yeah, stakes of. in that. I'm welcome to be corrected on that one. <laughs> uh, Harvey Comics put out eight issues, down from fourteen the month before, but half of them were still Richie Rich oh comics. <laughs> He's jet skiing. He's mountain climbing. He's digging holes. Uh, MF Enterprises published their usual three black and white horror magazines. Warren Publishing put out four better magazines, Creepy, Eerie, Vampirella, and Famous Monsters of Filmland. Skywall doubled their releases from last month, going from one issue to two. Yeah. And newcomer <laughs> Dynapubs released two more issues of their flashback series, which reprinted Golden Age comics in black and white. Wow, really? 
putting their best foot forward. There. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, well, we're not going to make our own stuff and we're not splurging on color. <laughs> you guys enjoy. <laughs> I think it literally was like a passion project. I think it was just like, because the, there weren't really, you know, the, these things have been out of print for a long time. And so it was just literally like, I want to bring these things back into print. Um, I want to do it as cheaply as possible. Mm. And that's how they managed to do it. I could so. see you doing that if you yeah. were alive I could, back then. Yeah, I could see Brian buying that. I would do that. Back then. <laughs> yes. Brian, right. me now that Brian's poisoned me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so with with uh, all those issues that, that Rob just ran us through, um, uh, that means that Marvel Comics barely eked out a first place finish in December, releasing 26 individual issues, just two more than DC Comics did. Oof. Yeah. Skin of their teeth. Um, so due to distribution quirks, several monthly, mo- uh, several monthly Marvel titles did not ship issues to newsstands in December, including Amazing Spider-Man, Captain America, Daredevil, and Thor. You know why? No sea captain. They uh, don't know what to do with Thor anymore. You're right. It's, they should just cancel it. Talk about rudderless. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You beat me to that joke. <laughs> that, only because you did the similar joke last week. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good joke. Why not just keep reusing Exactly. It? We recycle. It's easier than coming up with new ones. <laughs> and fun. Yeah. Uh, and a few other series uh, had also gone to a bi-monthly release schedule uh, for the winter months, including Defenders, Luke Cage, Power Man, and Iron Man. Um, among the issues that did come out in December of 1973, we're going to be talking about Fantastic Four number 144, Incredible Hulk number 174, and Marvel Premiere number 14 a little later in the show. If you'd like to hear more about what else came out in December of 1973, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash marvelbythemonth and listen to next week's Patreon-exclusive Omnibus episode, which will cover nine more issues, including Avengers 121, Captain Marvel 31, Iron Man 67, Kazar 2, Man-Thing number 3, Marvel Spotlight number 14, Marvel Team-Up number 19, Marvel 2-in-1 number 2, and Tomb of Dracula 19. We're going to give ourselves an hour to talk about as many of them as we can. Once we hit 60 minutes, we're going to go into Marvel by the Minute mode and tear through the rest of them. Head to patreon.com slash marvelbythemonth and support us at the $4 a month level if you want to get a complete look at the Marvel releases of December 1973. So that is what this month looked like in the comics world and beyond. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll get into the Marvel Comics of December 1973 right here on Marvel by the Month. Hey there, thanks for listening to Marvel by the Month. We love making the show for you. We hope to keep doing that for a long time to come. And the best way to ensure that will happen is to support us for just four bucks a month at patreon.com slash Marvel by the Month. When you become a patron, you're helping us cover our hosting costs, our equipment costs, our Marvel Unlimited subscriptions, the massive bribes we pay to Tom Brevoort to keep the Marvel lawyers off of our backs, and so much more. Do we actually know if we need to be doing that? Have we gotten actual legal threats, or is that even something that Tom has, like, jurisdiction over? We can't risk it. We've (laughs) got to pay the man. We've got to pay the man. We've got to pay the man. Don't worry about whether we're spending the money foolishly or not. Just know that at least some of it absolutely goes to helping the show continue to come out week after week, month after month. And we're doing our best to make sure that you get some great value for your four bucks. For starters, you get extended versions of every one of our main episodes that hit the public feed. Extended episodes are always at least 20 minutes longer than the public versions and feature deeper dives on more comics and longer conversations with your favorite guests. And 
Every other week, patrons get a special Patreon-exclusive episode, which is usually an omnibus episode that covers all of the issues we didn't get to in the main episode for the month the week before. (laughs) (laughs) That's the least confusing way to put it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I have a special place in my heart for the omnibus episodes because that's where I got my star as a co-host. Yeah. Yeah. They're uh, a lot of fun. And uh, they usually wind up just a huge mess by the end of the episode, and we seriously love recording them. Yeah. If you like what we do, help us to keep doing it and treat yourself to more of it. Head to patreon.com slash marvelbythemonth to become a Patreon supporter today. Welcome back to Marvel by the Month. Let's talk about The Incredible Hulk. We'll get into uh, Incredible Hulk number 173. Anybody out there remember the Cobalt Man? <laughs> um, written by Roy Thomas, art by Herb Trimpey, letters by Gene Izzo, colors by Petra Goldberg. Uh, and then we'll really get into Doomsday Down Under. Uh, again, we need that Australian accent training. Um, <laughs> that that title's Roy Thomas, right? Like Roy Thomasing to the most Roy Thomas. Yeah, like, yeah that's really fun. Like, yep. I, I wouldn't have appreciated that without this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, that's Incredible Hulk number 174, written by Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway, art by Herb Trimpey and Jack Abel, letters by Dave Hunt, colors by George Russos. Uh, okay, so first of all. So first of all. <laughs> the only reason the Cobalt Man's in this thing is because it's a Roy Thomas story, right? This is a character that Roy created for X-Men Iron back Man? when he was writing Oh, yeah, it. yeah. And X-Men. so it's like, this is Roy bringing back... One of his... One of his... Like, they, they're not even giving royalties for characters at this point, but... He still wants... He just can't let yeah. them get dusty. Yeah. 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 I think that's cool. He's like, we've got an Iron Man, but get Cobalt Man. It's so clever. <laughs> right. And then Lead Man and <laughs> Aluminium Man. How about, how about a whole Metal Man? Oh, wait. <laughs> No, we can't do that. That's the <laughs> other guys. <laughs> um, so, so in issue 173, Roy brings back the Cobalt Man, um, who Hulk, Hulk fought. Um, also, the Cobalt Man is uh, by the... So that's Ralph Roberts, um, mm-hmm. who decided he needed to steer into a nuclear test and irradiate himself. Right. Um, For, like, good reasons? Yeah, sure. Sort of? Kind of. I, I mean, it, I, it wasn't really apparent to me until the next issue yeah 173 is still kind of unclear he just wants okay. to get irradiated yeah right. um, and he as he's he's rented this big freighter ship he f- ends up finding stowaways um in bruce banner and his brother ted his brother ted and his brother ted's really nice yeah 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 okay and uh and he's very bemused that bruce banner um the other famous scientist turned radiation accident um, <laughs> turns out to be on of the all boat. people, yeah. right? Yep. But then uh, Ralph's plan—he uh, just really smurfs it up, and uh, <laughs> he turns, uh, he gets irradiated, uh, almost dies, turns blue, gets powers, um, pretty pretty beefy powers. But then he still puts on his fighting Iron Man and X Men armor mm-hmm. and goes pretty nuts right away. Yeah. Uh, that's, and they get in a big Hulk fight, uh, and that's kind of where we, we end, I'll I'll recap kind of how this ends, uh, as we get in 19 or 174, 1974 is what I was going to (laughs) say. Uh, we're not there yet. Um, in issue 174, we start with Bruce Banner waking up as he's about to drown in a sinking ship. Um, How did he wind up in a sinking ship, Rob? <laughs> he doesn't know. Uh, but he seems to recall the events of 173 
even though we know that he can't recall what Hulk did anyway. Yeah. Um, the uh, he it's basically the ship is sinking because he was the Hulk and he threw the Cobalt Man through the ship. Right. And uh, put, the, the put floor, a big hole the floor, in there. Yeah, specifically. Yeah. Because you could yeah, have thrown him up and it probably would have been... Yeah, or just better. sort of sideways. But, <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Down is the one direction you don't want <laughs> to throw someone... the worst option you could have possibly picked. <laughs> ship. Uh, and now there's a big cobalt man-shaped hole in the bottom of the boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, Bruce is um, about to drown uh, in, inside of the sinking freighter when who should come to his rescue but... The Cobalt Man. Oh, he's yeah. a hero after it's all. Complex, yeah. complex characters. Everything's fine. Um, Cobalt Man gets Bruce to a nearby lifeboat uh, with the other survivors from the recent ship sinking and then immediately spouts uh, this at his brother, Ted, who says that there may be a chance to make Ralph normal again. What do you know about normality, little brother? What does any man know about normality or sanity in a world that lives under the threat of atomic warfare? So that yeah, that opened up some character notes that had yeah. been previously <laughs> yeah, <right>. wraps closed. <laughs> yep, uh, and then he takes off uh, weirdly swimming uh, for Sydney, Australia, which is vaguely nearby because they're in French Guiana, Polynesia, maybe. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're. It's unclear. Yeah, but it, but it is. Uh, they drop some hints. I mean, it's definitely a a French speaking guy or a French guy who is in charge of this atomic test and they no longer are a part of was it nato or something yeah whatever that version of 70s at NATO. That time. yeah yeah 70s nato yeah <laughs> it's just oh, never mind uh, <laughs> <laughs> if we'd done a better job in our journey into history we'd know <laughs> yep next but, time yep um then we get a scene of general ross and colonel armbrester rescuing the folks on the lifeboats you know man i i'm actually kind of enjoying hulk issues these days this is the bit with him always being in the place is like kind of grinding for me at this point. Like, what, it, like Ross always being perfectly positioned on the scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like this is the most traveling book of any of the titles we read. He's on this island. He's in this country. He's, he's in, in Canada. Canada. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's all over the place. I mean, he does have all the resources of the air force to just shuttle him all across the planet. <laughs> I guess so. It just seems like an accident, like exactly 50% of the time that he's there. Right. Yeah. I just, you know, and he's like, Oh, there's the guy again. Like, well, yeah, he, I don't know. And then, of course, uh, he's uh, brought along his daughter, <laughs> right. his like very traumatized daughter, <laughs> yeah. to, to hang out and fly in a, a helicopter to sit. I don't know what they're doing. but um, Yeah, like, why is she there? Why is she ever there? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you wouldn't have drama if she wasn't? I guess. Yeah. Um, so Betty is there, and she's terrified about her mixed emotions about seeing the living Bruce Banner. And for some reason, maybe because Roy's got his hand on this, Robert Bruce Banner is said, is written oh, a number whoa. of times in this book. Nice. Um, That's our boy, Bobby uh, Bruce. Cobalt man is thinking through how he got so irradiated as he super swims towards Sydney. Um, he was running tests on his cobalt armor when an explosion irradiated him. Uh, the doctor gave him one year to live. So like any rational person, he decides to teach the world a lesson about the dangers of atomic power by destroying a city in a nuclear explosion. Which makes like you know, half half he's onto something. Like, yeah. He wants to teach the people. <laughs> it's the worst. It's, it's the worst execution of like the first half's fine. The second half is the worst. Yeah. He's got yeah. some third act problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some yeah. third yeah. act problems. Yeah. Um, 
then we cut back to Bruce, who wakes up in a hospital to see Betty, who runs off in dismay at just the very sight of him. Hey, Betty's looking like a person that I've never seen before. A little bit. Yeah, yeah her hair color is like is almost like she's gone gray. And but she, I guess maybe turning into the harpy might do that to you. Oh, is this the first time we've seen, seen her, her post harpy? I don't think it's the first no, time. No, because that was on the island. They were on the, the island. Oh, right, where right. Murdered right. All those maybe aliens. she's just trying something new. <laughs> she's just trying something yeah, new. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not saying it's bad. She looks like a specific person, which is cool. Like, oh, yeah. I, it just looks like mean. a different specific person. Right, right. 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 Having a grayish purple lavender hair would help you stand <laughs> out. Yeah. 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 Right. I mean, Trimpy is still doing the art, so. I don't know. This might be yeah, a, I a, think a weird coloring swing, you yeah. know. Um, so, uh, as Bruce tries to warn everyone about the Cobalt Man, T-Bolt Ross orders Banner to be tranquilized because he's starting to get a, you know, his eyes are starting to get really big and he might turn into the Hulk. <laughs> I love it when he starts getting agitated. All of a sudden, everyone starts shouting and tackling him. <laughs> yeah. Calm down! The font is big. Everything's bold. <laughs> guys, guys, guys. Have you learned nothing? How many uh, issues have we been doing this for? Uh, he, so, um, which uh, Banner does get successfully tranquilized um, right as Cobalt Man starts just wrecking everything in Sydney. Man. Yep. Um, he notes that he is trying to attract forces to attack him because he needs a big battle so that he can build up to critical mass. So now we also know that he's going to blow himself up to, to cause this nuclear, you yeah, know, right. it was, uh, he could have done a bunch of different things sure. to, to cause this, but which makes him like not exactly as villainous as he would be if he was just murdering others. You know, he's like taking himself along for the thing. Uh, right. You're very Cobalt Man apologist. I just yes. think there's like interesting <laughs> elements there. That yeah, they, I do. I, you know I, I agree. Mean? Like, yeah, I just am. But Jamie it, just thinks it's totally fine to suicide bomb yourself <laughs> for your political cause. <laughs> sure, that's all. Sure. That's all. It, it is more interesting than he's just trying to take over the world by threatening to blow up Sydney or something. But right. uh, but it is just as mis. Guided, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now I noticed like nowhere in. Oh, I, oh, I, I was gonna say I didn't see the, the opera uh, house. The opera house, yeah. but it is in the background of a panel on uh, page thirteen of the Marvel Unlimited version. Yeah, I so. was looking and looking, waiting for a. It's like the one the thing landmark. I know about Sydney, yeah. and I'm sorry, Australian <laughs> listeners. I'm sure there's many, many great things and enormous bugs in Sydney. <laughs> yeah, the other things I know about Australia as a whole is that most things can kill you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's pretty warm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have relatives that uh, spend a lot of time there mm-hmm. to raise sheep for the queen. Well, yeah, right, yeah. right. Well, not any, not anymore. Not anymore. And it, it was, uh, yeah, I guess it was was that queen. Whoa, whoa, same queen? No, it's no. a different queen. <laughs> any husky. <laughs> Uh, so you have you have relatives who are criminals, is what you're saying? No, I, that's what I thought. I assumed that when I saw mm. that there was an Australian line to my family, mm-hmm. it was of course <laughs> criminals. <laughs> uh, but they were um, there on on big imperial business. Okay, swung <laughs> um, the other way. <laughs> yeah, it went the exact other way. Still bad. Um, and they were criminals, just white collar criminals. Right, yeah, right, yeah, different, yeah, different flavor. Yep. Uh. So so we've got this uh, cobalt man waiting, trying to get enough people to attack him to build up this critical mass. Um, so again, a contrast to Bruce, right? Bruce gets angry real easily. He mm-hmm. can't help but get powered up. This guy is like needs 
he needs he's juicing. Yeah, he's causing this conflict in order to get yep. to his uh, Jamie's important political point. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> for the record, I'm very pro nuclear power. Just putting that out there. <laughs> uh, so Betty is still running around the hospital and freaking out about Bruce's very existence. I think when she runs into Ted Roberts, Ralph Roberts's brother. Um, Ted makes the case that they need the Hulk to stop the Cobalt Man. So his plan is, he <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> he distracts the guards to Bruce's room while Betty sneaks in and gives Bruce some uppers that Ted provided. <laughs> <laughs> Just give him this meth; it'll be fine. Um, Ralph can. Uh, Ralph, the Cobalt Man, continues the wreck-it routine and makes a great big supervillain speech to the world atop a bridge he's trashing. I didn't write this one down, but Jamie, I feel like you might want to give us a little bit of oh, this flavor. I mean, it's it's long. Um, I just started maybe uh, when, when the font gets real big. Yeah, hear me, people yeah. of the... Hear me, people of the world. Too long has madness ruled. Too long have we lived under threat of atomic destruction. Today, mankind will be shown the outcome of this insanity. You getting all this bluey, says reporter. So, yeah, and also really goes well with um, Jamie's um, theories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> just wanted, uh, oh, yeah. Wait, wait, there's more. <laughs> okay. And may man learn from this what he has refused to learn from history, that we are beasts and beasts cannot control fire. Beasts may only be burned. It's like a nice bit of writing. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty solid. Um, So <laughs> now that Betty's given oh, the methamphetamines yeah. to Bruce. She uh, walks the still woozy Bruce up to the hospital's roof uh, <laughs> to push him off and jolt his heart. Like, yep. uh, it's just so that he will, his heart will beat fast enough to change into the Hulk, hopefully. That's Dude. like the, it's also like a, maybe it will, maybe it won't. He's <laughs> right, very right. tranked. Um, Betty stock went up like 400% yeah, on this yeah, issue. Yeah, like yeah. She's willing to just do that. But like Bruce, Bruce Cobalt Man is not the only person who's willing to go to extreme lengths. <laughs> yeah, to right. his ends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, who's the hero of this story? <laughs> My goodness. Uh, Bruce, though, starts to come to, like starts to shake off his wooziness uh, while they're on the, I'm sure the breezy rooftop. <laughs> and um, he tries to embrace Betty and say like I think I know what you're doing why would you do that and and they as he tries that they sort of struggle and then he falls off the roof anyway yep so uh but of course it is Hulk who lands on or into the street mm -hmm. um he immediately heads off to find the one he was fighting before and uh <laughs> then fighting yeah yep uh, bridge destroying much that bridge really takes a beating i don't know how it survives that long uh then uh cobalt man to wrap up their fight decides to grab the hulk fly him out of the earth's atmosphere so he'll suffocate but jokes on him hulk loves going to space yeah <laughs> hulk is always trying to go to space if he can do it <laughs> hulk have no friends here yeah. Hulk go to space this is his favorite um, place to be um so this is when the uh, big blue guy, unfortunately, realizes that he is about to go critical, and he flew too high to destroy the city with his critical explosion, uh, and critically goes, exploding in space and blowing up the Hulk with him. Yep. And what lesson does the fine leader of the USA get from this? <laughs> <laughs> I love a good cameo. Yeah. Milhouse tells Kissinger 
to get to work on developing a cobalt bomb so that they don't lose parity with the communists in the very warm Cold War. Yeah. Uh, and the last panel shows the Hulk re-entering the atmosphere <laughs> and following to who the hell knows where. Yeah. Yep. That poor bastard. Yeah. All the poor bastards wherever he's going to land. And yeah. And then it's just going to be Bruce Banner waking up with no, no shirt, shirt, no shoes, <laughs> yeah. no service. Yeah. Uh, we are promised next issue. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. The Inhumans get it on. <laughs> yeah, tune it in for that. Yeah, yeah. let's get it. I have on. questions about Triton. <laughs> <laughs> now I do too. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about some more Marvel comics right here on Marvel by the Month. Welcome back to Marvel by the Month. I will be taking us through Fantastic Four 142 to 144. Up first is No Friend Beside Him, uh, 142, written by Jerry Conway, art by Rich Buckler, and Joe Sinnott, letters by John Costanza, and colors by Petra Goldberg. So uh, we'll just do this first one kind of quickly because I believe we covered it before. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Reed's lobotomized his kid, uh, which is causing... uh, Sue's already gone. And this is causing Ben to say that the Fantastic Four are over. Uh, up until now, we've seen Reed be not the best person and certainly a terrible husband. But this is arguably the first moment where we see his kind of brand of, I don't know, like moral absolutism. Like yeah. he just does whatever he thinks is right without. Uh, anyway, so regardless, Sue was already gone. Ben, based on a telegram, is off to join Alicia in the Balkans, where a semi evil looking doctor is escorting Alicia and uh, they're discussing plans to cure her blindness. Yeah, that doctor is... He's got a combination of character traits. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, he's, he's a bald guy, but then he's got, like, uh, sort of a, a Salvador Dali-type mustache. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's got little round spectacles. He's huge. He's huge. He's got an earring. He's like professional wrestler <laughs> huge. Yeah, <laughs> and he smokes a cigarette with, of course, a cigarette holder. Right, that's how, yeah, that's how you I really thought know. he was Pluto. When I saw oh, him, I thought it was a Pluto oh, yeah. disguise. Yeah, like I can see that. Tricked Namor, I think, sometime around the whole film studio thing. Right, right, yeah. way back. Yeah. But no, he's Hans Stuttgart. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I sort of thought they were setting him up for a larger role in this whole thing. Nope. Uh, he's only got a couple pages. Um, so anyway, as they're chatting, the whole town flees because of uh, death demon superstition. Ben, of course, blames himself. <laughs> Um, back in New York, uh, Medusa, who's now kind of work wife Medusa, uh, calms the tantruming Reed Richards down and convinces him to attend an alumni meeting. Doesn't, did you get a vibe like she's trying to move in on him a little bit? I wrote romance question mark. Yeah. 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 There's, I mean, it's, she seems to have a big respect for him and then that's, you know, complicated by the seventies, I think. Yeah. Maybe that's it. I mean, they don't give us her inner monologue, I think ever. So you don't know what's going on internally, but it is kind of reading that way. Yeah. But she's like insistent that they go out to dinner together. And then when she sees the invitation for this alumni reunion dinner, she insists that Reed take her to that. Yeah. Yeah. And she puts on like kind of a fancy short yellow dress thing and is like kind of being but she's also trying to get him out of his funk, right. like how MJ has been trying to get Peter Parker out of his funk. And we all know that that's, that works out. <laughs> totally played totally. totally. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Never, never fails. Mm-hmm. So then back in the village, Ben is assuming Alicia is going to dump him as soon as she can see because he's, you know, 
a big yellow rock monster. Yep. Uh, but then uh, we get purple Darkoth. He attacks Ben and they Darkoth the Death Demon. Darkoth the Death Demon. Um, and they have a big, huge, fun-looking fight. Yep. Um, Darkoth really is sort of like uh, yeah, he's purple. He's got a tail. He's got he's kind of a cyber demon. He's got like some implants and things, and it looks like he's got like thigh pads grown right out of his thighs. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got uh, like antenna eyebrows that yeah sparkled some energy. I like the there's like metal bits that go down the tops of his fingers. Yep. You know, seeming like like cyber gloves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, he's wearing little pants. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly, he's wearing red pants that do not go with his skin color. No. Yeah. That's the true villainy. <laughs> um, it's fashion villainy. <laughs> so as they're fighting, there's a big explosion uh, in which Darkoth vanishes. During the fight, uh, Ben Huck's. Uh, a whole like cart full of apples at Darkoth. Yeah. I really wanted him to say, how you like them apples? <laughs> but, but it was too early. America wasn't ready for that kind of, got that kind that, of comedy yet. That, just top notch hilarity. <laughs> so Darkoth vanishes. Uh, and then Ben, he gets distant with the concerned Alicia. He's wondering how Darkoth even knew Ben's name, how he knew that Ben was there in the first place. And some, there was like some personal stuff that he'd only told Alicia. Yeah. So he's like generally suspicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, over in, uh, I'll call it this a deep sea story. Um, <laughs> Johnny. Not underwater. No. no <laughs> to be not, clear. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Not that deep sea. Yeah. Um, so uh, Johnny and Wyatt are sort of arguing about uh, with a coach about what a jerk read is at Metro University. Yeah. Um, is that the, um, is this guy going to the reunion? Is that how this is yeah. like tied yeah, to the story? He, coach Thorne. Coach, coach Thorne, Thorne. Right. With whom. You know, uh, Wyatt has had some conversations about Whitey Ford's beef trust. Uh, I'm sure. Okay. Um, so this is a historical Coach Thorne, figure. You know, ran the beef trust. Yeah. Well, well I mean, I mean, Whitey, Whitey Ford. Yeah. yeah really Whitey ran Ford. The, Whitey, uh, Mullins. Whitey Mullins ran the beef trust. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so then they like fly off sort of in a huff. Um, then we get a little bit with Sue and the catatonic Franklin. They are driving back to uh, the supportive ranch that she stays at. Um, then Ben paces the hospital where Alicia's procedure is just like seeming like it's taken forever. Mm-hmm. He eventually storms into the operating room, which turns out to be empty. And, and a, a really real classic Kirby swipe there. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. With with. Yeah. At the bottom of the Marvel Unlimited version, um, last panel on page 13, where like Ben is like leaning forward. Oh, the, yeah. Look at that. That's a that's a Kirby swipe. Yeah. Right. No one could stand or move in that right. way. Yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, uh, Ben's gone in there. Operating room is empty, and Darkoth attacks, and then ultimately, they you know they fight for a bit. It's cool. It's again. empty, and then it's empty with Darkoth. Right, yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. Uh, they have a cool fight. They're really like clobbering the heck out of each other. But eventually, um, Ben gets. Uh, sorry, there's a door, oh, and they get punched. He they gets go, punched into a cavern. That's yeah, that store. So yeah. behind some of the like hospital equipment, which I guess is fake. Um, it leads to like a cavern and Ben like punches Darkoth through these pillars in the cabin. It's very cool looking. Uh, Darkoth eventually like goes underwater. Ben chases him. The fight scene goes on for kind of what feels like a long time. But mm-hmm. eventually the point is Darkoth like wounds Ben and poisons him like under his rock he meat. <laughs> pulls the rocks. He like rakes his claws across and you can see the rocks coming off of him. Yeah. It's really like it. it's really upsetting. And this is issue what? 140 something too yeah two, yeah wait i don't think we've ever seen anything even close to that before i don't think we've seen ben get his rocks off <laughs> oh 
I don't know that we've made that joke before either. <laughs> pretty much a momentous issue of Marvel of the Month. 208 episodes. We finally got there. And we're done. Yep. Thank you, everyone. Good night, New York. Shut it down. So then, as he passes out, a bandaged Alicia runs towards him, and a shadowy figure uh, ass- assumes her sort of menacingly that Ben is going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, at the alumni event, Reed and Medusa, Medusa, as I mentioned, is wearing like an awesome yellow dress, uh, arrives at the dinner table of this event only to find that Doom is the host, oh. and he'd like to discuss the end of the world. Yep. And he looks and- so happy. It's so hard for him to look happy in that, in that <laughs> yeah. armor. Oh, man. Yeah, his mouth is open real wide. He and- has been waiting for this reveal for weeks. <laughs> he knew it was, it was like since he sent those, those invitations out, he just couldn't wait. Yeah, I would say the joy that Doom experiences in these issues is like a real sign of the mental illness. Yep. Like he's just having too much fun yeah. with all this. Yeah. Uh, and it is technically an alumni dinner because yeah, right. they yeah. all went to college together. Absolutely. So, yep. Some didn't graduate, but um, (laughs) some aren't actually doctors. (laughs) I love how it's pretty crazy because he's like, let's uh, we're we're here to discuss old friendships, old betrayals. And of course, the most important topic, the rapidly approaching end of the world. And that, and then it says next issue the final solution. And I was like, holy shit! We don't tend to throw that phrase around anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, it was the 70s, though. They were solutioning all over the place. Uh, so this is issue 143, The Terrible Triumph of Dr. Doom, written by Jerry Conway, art by Rich Buckler and Frank Giacoya, letters by John Costanza, and colors by Petra Goldberg. So we're picking up right where we left off. Reed tries to protect the regular guests, but gets zapped, and the now-costumed Medusa destroys the laser right as Doom triggers a trapdoor underneath them. Um <laughs> so there, there's a, a note. I think it's in the next issue where they apologize for saying it's like, yeah, you know, we know Medusa was in her street clothes and now she's in her costume. We goofed. But it's like, so this is uh, page three of the Marvel Unlimited version. Yeah. You can see her taking the the dress off and her costume is underneath it. Like, yeah. it's not a goof. Oh, my gosh. You're totally right. They, they, solved, yeah. they solved that. They solved for the goof. They should give themselves a no prize. Oh, yeah, that's cool. I they should they, give themselves no no prize. Right. <laughs> um, Doom describes Professor Thorne as an annoyance from college, worthy of only humiliation. <laughs> that was pretty great. Uh, but then Thorne attacks him, forcing Doom to stun him, and then Doom just walks off with his date. Yep. <laughs> pretty, like, now I've got your wife, yep. Coach. <laughs> a yep. Pretty baller move. There is a stunning splash page of Ben and Darkoth suspended on opposite oh. sides of Doom's. Pretty Kirby-looking lab. Yeah. As Doom's, like, science grunts do grunt stuff. Yep. Uh, Doom explains that he's tired of warfare and tired of adventure. The world just belongs to him, and so he's made this vibration bomb to subdue its citizens. Yep. He then uh, uses it to hypnotize some disloyal goons, Gort and Harrison, (laughs) (laughs) into shooting each other at his command. And this is another instance of him just looking so happy so ecstatic and you know? laughing and yeah. laughing yeah. as they just shoot each other right in front of him <laughs> yeah you know you hate to see anyone die in a comic book but the joy he gets out of it is like well maybe it was worth it <laughs> <laughs> um meanwhile uh johnny in our deep sea <laughs> deep sea story uh johnny does some property damage kind of at wyatt about reed um which promptly gets them arrested yep now, back over at Support Ranch, uh, Sue is crying over Catatonic Franklin some more and uh, rightly expresses some form of paranoia because her husband's sort of 
lobotomized their child. It happens. Yeah. Uh, ben, back over in the A story, Doom preps his giant vibrator missile, and we see his fantasy of ruling Earth's, uh, Earth as minions grovel at the feet of a gypsy's son. Yeah, I know we talked about this issue in uh, last week's Omnibus, but for those who didn't hear it, uh, did we explain what the the thing is? He, he's got a device that saps the free will of oh, everyone on Earth. Right, that's why he could order Gorton, what's his name, yeah. to shoot each other. It doesn't just vibrate them. Right. Yeah. yeah, which could be pleasant. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and it it's definitely shaped in a <laughs> funny way for something you're calling a vibrator tool. Uh, Does have a bulbous top? Yep. <laughs> it's a bulbous top. Yep, and hmm. is otherwise cylindrical. <laughs> um, so then we get a little nice cutaway. I know we love our cutaways of the Doom's facilities, including a dummy floor. Which at first <laughs> I was like, why would you include that? That's a funny detail. But I guess that's where maybe Ben was with the hospital. Yeah, right. I think so. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And where the 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 fake meeting room for the alumni dinner. Yeah. Right. right. I, I think he he doesn't. I don't. That's what it looks like. It's like where they were trapped. They fell through a floor. I assume. So he just has floors that he does like full stage sound. Craft. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Soundstage stuff. That's for, where he shoots yeah. commercials. <laughs> yeah. You know. It's like he's he's got a you know, client photo shoot. He's got to like make this look like a subway station. Yep. Okay. I mean, Gort doesn't come cheap. You know, like no. you got to pay that guy's salary. Plus, not benefits. anymore. I mean, not anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best part of getting your minions to kill themselves. <laughs> Maybe the life insurance, but yeah. Uh, and just to circle back for a sec, like Doom's fantasy of ruling is like kind of interesting to see. Uh, just you know, because he's not always the most villainous villain, mm-hmm. and so like it's int- like it's coming from a place of him being like ground down as a child. Like they're hitting that note. Yeah, little, yeah, uh, which is cool. Yeah. Um. Uh, so then, uh. Oh, Darkoth somewhere in here has broken free. Yeah, uh, he's going to attack Doom, but Doom explains he's not just Darkoth's master, but also his creator. And he'll totally explain this, but there's just quick rocket trip. I'll be right back, and we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, over in the in prison, uh, Johnny and Y are just kind of killing time. While Johnny says some weird things about Wyatt's heritage, did you catch that? Yeah. If your grandfather could see you now, he'd have a canary, Wyatt. Yeah. Or, but then it gets worse because then he's it's something well, frankly, like, Wyatt, this kind of thing is pretty good for you. It gives you a sense of heritage if you know. I was like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> what do you? I don't know what the intention. Was I'm there. not quite sure what it was meant by that exactly. Uh, I, I assume it was well-meaning. Like I think so, but I couldn't quite parse. Yeah, I, I assumed it was stuff about the man coming down on wyatt and his people, and his people right. so but here you find yourself in a similar situation yeah uh, it's still terrible yeah. and it's still yeah. johnny storm at his finest yeah right um, but johnny storm is a person who puts his foot in his mouth constantly so it's very in character it is in him. character that's true so then luckily before johnny says anything else doom blasts <laughs> his way in uh frees them and says to come along with them uh, him peacefully johnny uh tactically does the opposite of that and then gets immediately knocked out then back at Doom's headquarters, Darkoth frees Reed, Medusa, and the Thing to help him, since Darkoth the Death Demon, it turns out, was only who he thought he was. What has happened is Doom just transformed and hypnotized like an average goon, and uh, this person now wants the Fantastic Four to help him get revenge. Yep. Yeah. Just like uh, Gort, maybe unluckier Gort. Yeah, yeah, right, right. You can. Well, I mean, there's not any less like lucky Gorts. Right now, (laughs) right, yeah, right. That's true. Yeah. So then we move on to attack. Uh, Fantastic Four one forty one. 
Fantastic Four 144, written by Jerry Conway, art by Rich Buckler and Joe Sinnott, letters by Artie Simic, colors by George Russos. The title of this one screams attack in big red letters and Reed is like horrifically stretching towards us uh, with his scary kind of Rich Buckler open mouth. Yep. Um, It's like, I don't know, pretty horrifying. Uh, Ben is holding his waist as kind of an anchor and Medusa is like kind of cheesecakily climbing a ladder while holding a camera and Darkoth is doing like a classic sideways Kirby lunge. Um, They then walk across Reed's body, which you would think we would see all the time, but I... Like didn't ring bells as having happened recently. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since we've had a Reed Bridge. Yeah. Yep. Um. So the geography here is a little odd, but they're trying to escape Doom's dungeon, which is under a building in New York City, and they're going to get to the Baxter Building from underground. Right. I'll just kind of go with it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. That water in the sewer, so Kirby, so awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're totally yeah. right. Um. That's an awesome splash page. Literally. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even going to give it a fake laugh (laughs) Boo I was debating another deep sea joke Uh, Ben is bickering with Reed And uh, And kind of like mouthing off to Darkoth But then Reed uh, pulls him aside And says like he really needs him In a significant and meaningful way It's like a really Like uh, Reed's just not in a great place And he's like asking his friend to help him out Even though his friend probably hates him Yeah um, and I, think, I need you to not hate me for 10 minutes yeah, so we can do this thing, right. please. Uh, and their faces are like really close. Um, but before they can kiss, uh, the seeker kind of Kool-Aid's man through a Kool-Aid man's through a wall. Um, this is a different seat. We've had seekers we've before. Had seekers before. Lots I could have sworn. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. The internet swears this is this guy's first appearance. I think this, this guy is, is this seeker. Yeah. Okay. I think this is one of those I read as a kid, and so I feel like he's been everywhere forever. But Right. But no, I think this is a one and done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he is a green android of Doom's creation with a nuclear dis- discharger pods, prods for hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like three, three-barreled three guns for hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he's wearing like a Bane mask. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and his body is just basically all green and scaly with all these like sort of metal attachment things yeah he's got sort of like a, a spiky garter yeah uh, on his leg right right um I, he's sort of like if you're you know like creating a character in a video game and you just hit the random button <laughs> this is what you wind up with <laughs> right, right. it's pretty cool for it but yeah he's got yeah. like a, a giant headlight on his head too on yep. the top like yeah. he's got white eyes but above it like he's got a, a headlamp. I don't hate it. I find it like oddly intriguing. Sure. Just yeah. Like, are those scales? Like what's going on? And of course, little pants. Yoke, gotta. Gotta cover the bits. Uh, well, Medusa, you know, they fight for a bit. Medusa says this guy, he's in for tongue lashing because. Uh, oh, don't threaten me with a good time, Medusa. <laughs> uh, he's not going to be strong enough to take them all down. Um, and then Ben like epically punches this guy out. I just love. Brockaboom. Yeah. And I, he, he even jokes like he didn't even have a chance to say it's clobbering time. Yeah. <laughs> Reed, uh, never one to waste anything. Uh, he plans to use the seeker's body <laughs> as a way to get to Doom somehow. <laughs> uh, elsewhere, Doom beats up a minion for having lost the seeker in the first place and gives kind of an amazing monologue about how inferior everybody else is. Oh, God. He is like an A plus monologuer. Mm-hmm. I feel like this image is somewhere. I couldn't remember if you had used it in promotional materials or like as your avatar for something 
I mean, I also think it's another Kirby swipe. So, oh, you okay. know, I, I think I think you have seen it somewhere. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think you've seen it like Jack Kirby doing it originally and then a whole bunch of artists swiping it after them. Yeah, there's yeah. one like this from the Silver Surfer. Yes. Where, yep. A uh, story where Doom mm. steals this surfboard to me. Oh, OK. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, so then uh, he has Wyatt and Johnny in sort of matching prison tubes. Uh, and these tubes inhibit Johnny's flame and why it also gets a tube, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he had an extra tube. Just to make him feel good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't want to make him feel left out. Uh, meanwhile, in the sub-basement of the Baxter building, a like lowly janitor regrets having been a gym major when he's scared half to death uh, from a, a grabbed hand, which turns out to be the thing. And then he's like tied up because Ben doesn't really trust him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a really funny sequence in the middle of this comic. I yeah. love it. it this is ben another... just threatening to pummel this janitor and Reed's like, dude, yeah, <laughs> yeah, back off. And yeah, he gets actually a lot of, he gets a lot of real estate in this book for not really having a role to play in it. But I, I feel like if this is, you know, the movie version of this, this is where you'd put like Harry Dean Stanton's cameo. Yeah. Like, right. He'd be the janitor. Right. Yeah. It also like sort of, feels a bit like a precursor to everything Claremont does with like the yes NPCs that often get killed you know like if you get a full name he kills them right yeah. right <laughs> and it's I mean I think it's trying to show that uh, especially after Alicia getting you know kidnapped uh and he still doesn't know where she is right at this point yeah oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. so he's pretty paranoid so he just assumes anybody he sees is possibly working against him right and he can't really express that with his team of helpers and like it's obvious with the bad guy so it's like a nice it's a nice way to do yeah that. yeah and he only expresses things the one way <laughs> right <laughs> clobbering <laughs> yep uh then um doom uh yells fire into a phone he's gonna into the weirdest damn phone <laughs> yeah. i've ever seen like it, it's so it starts out it starts out as like a regular phone but then like <laughs> continues around his mouth and then just has this big like i don't know it's like a riding crop sticking out from it or yeah, something yeah like goes over like his a other crab shoulders. claw on the end <laughs> it's real weird <laughs> and then the vibration bomb is off yeah it just goes gonna give good vibes to everyone yep Ben informs Reed who, that he's working on some kind of plan with the Seeker's body. Uh, and Ben pokes at Darkoth like kind of one too many times. And so they start fighting sort of <laughs> understandably. Yep. Reed then scolds Ben pretty severely for just like being a juvenile mess, um, which like doesn't sit totally great considering like emotionally where this arc started a little bit. Right. But Ben accepts the criticism and downshifts. Yeah. Uh, up in space well, and, and you know Reed says you're acting like a child and you know what I do to children <laughs> <laughs> whoa dark that, no, that dark. would be a better quote yeah, that would yeah. be a better quote also he does say you're acting like a child but yeah yeah <laughs> right the subtext does the rest <laughs> <laughs> don't vegetate me <laughs> up in space the vibro bomb is sending waves of radiation that will hypnotize the population or however that works mm-hmm. uh the ticking clock is for two hours so in two hours the whole world will be hypnotized um to be an extension of doom's ego so that he can rule the cosmos yeah like really kind of stepped up there terrific earth is just the first step yeah his plan for galactic domination uh but at this point the seeker walks in and smashes open johnny's tube johnny heroically flames on uh before doom knocks him out again <laughs> Johnny's like having a rough couple issues. Yep. 
Um, the Seeker then tries to attack, but uh, attack, but then Doom zaps him out, and now the Seeker's like not really a thing anymore. Uh, and then Dark- well, the the Seek Darkoth was hiding inside of the Seeker, right? Is that what was happening? Yes. Yeah. Was that? What I, was, it it's is, either that or he was right behind him. I don't know. It looks like it. He says, you seeker, you betrayed me. Well, my android friend, see what reward is due traitors who. Zap. And then he spacks him. And he says, yes, doctor, you're saying perhaps you realize your error that he who betrayed you was not the mindless seeker, but Darkoth who seeks revenge. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I For some reason, I read this as if, like, Reed had hidden someone inside of him, but... Oh, the man inside? But Yeah, the man <laughs> inside me, yes. But uh, where are you going to put that tail? That's yeah. the hard part. But now I think he just sent the Seeker in first, like, reprogrammed to free Johnny, who was useless, and then that distracted Doom long, long enough, enough to for everyone else to show up. He yeah. just threw okay. a bunch of people at Doom while they could do something else, okay. maybe. Right. Um... So then uh, Darkoth and the thing are kind of coming to the rescue. But if Doom can hold out for just one more hour, he'll totally win. Uh, then uh, the earth was shaken and walls are quaking. And uh, boom, the skyscraper goes up into space. I, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, that, Doom. That Doom you should have. This is not the first time Doom has launched a skyscraper. That is true. That's space. totally true. <laughs> this, I forgot that was in his wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he's always like the people, you know, the engineers working on a building that he's having done. They're like, like this seems it? like a lot of extra <laughs> scaffolding. And or it's like they're like, well, should we plan for him to want to launch us into space later? Because if we build it in now, it'll be like cheaper and easier. Right. Whereas yeah. like retrofitting that would be. It's like you know, if he wants it to go into space and it's not ready, you know what's going to happen <laughs> right. to us. We're going to so. get gorded. <laughs> um, so the skyscraper is going up into space where the vibro bomb already is. Uh, but Darkoth has snuck away in the building and attacks him. Then the camera pans out further into space where Doom's rocket skyscraper just explodes. It runs into the hydro bomb. Vibro oh, bomb. Oh, mm-hmm. right, right, right. I said hydro bomb. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so presumably these two are both dead now. And then back in New York, it's snowing, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team's trying to figure out if they're like actually safe now. I like that. It, like They don't immediately assume that everything's fine because, yeah. you know humans and drama and stuff um but then like ben kind of cues the sad walking away music as he realizes the idea of alicia's surgery had never been real and was only in place just to like get to him so now he feels like her blindness is his fault which yeah. isn't true at all no just total ben, but ben move yeah, yeah he needs to feel bad yeah if there's something he can take on himself he will take it on himself so. right yeah. especially if it's completely wrong yeah like he's great at being completely wrong he yep. is great at that yeah, so fun, like definitely a fun arc. I wish Sue was doing more stuff. Yeah. Um, but they've thrown Medusa into the mix to try and do what she was doing before with some success, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like they, they've they been on this kind of journey to figure out, it's like, okay, so Sue's not going to be the fourth member. Like, is it Crystal? And Ooh. Crystal doesn't really work. And it's like, how about Medusa? And Medusa's, yeah. yeah, she's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean... I don't think it's a, much of a spoiler to say. Eventually, Sue's just going to come back. And right. They're going to figure out how, finally how to write her. But uh, but it's not going to be for a, a little while yet. And um, 40 and years. <laughs> just Jer- kidding. <laughs> Jerry has more twists and turns ahead for Fun. the Reed and Sue relationship. Fun. So Can't yeah. wait. The better be since, you know, they're they're pretty upset yeah. at each other. Yeah. With the whole vegetating the right. kid. Yep. Yeah. I mean, everyone hates Reed. Reed yeah. is tearing himself apart. Yep. Yeah. 
Well, uh, that was a, a pretty good batch of uh, comics, and that's all the comics we have to talk about for this episode. So uh, the last thing left to do is to share our astonishing takes, our recommendations for things that our listeners might want to check out that are not the, the, the Marvel Comics of December 1973. Um, so uh, first of all, I am going to recommend Rob's and my appearance on a recent episode of the Comics Canon podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, where we talked about the first five issues of Superior Spider-Man and weighed in on whether or not it merited inclusion into the canon of great comics. Uh, Kurt and Kevin are longtime friends of the pod. We always have a great time on their show. Uh, it is nice to talk about some comics from this millennium for a oh, change. Yeah. yeah, that was so refreshing. Yeah. And so it's so easy to read five comics. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. There's like a third of the words. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, that's a great one to talk about, too. That's like a, yes. a lot to dig into. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we can reveal that uh, we thought it was worthy of inclusion. But was that enough to right. to get there? Well, to tip the tip, scales? You'll have yeah. to listen to the episode and find out. The scales of justice. <laughs> yeah. And if you do listen to that episode, uh, you're going to hear me recommend uh, my astonishing take for this month on there as well. Um, and that is Sandman Mystery Theater written by Matt Wagner and Steven T. Seagal with art by Guy Davis. Uh, so this is the 1990s Vertigo series that reinvented the Golden Age Sandman Wesley Dodds. Um, it is just an amazing slice of pre-war New York City with some fantastic pulp adventure slathered on top. Um, Patter, Pat Oswalt wrote the introduction to the new compendium, which collects the first half of the series. He said it was his favorite Vertigo series when it was being published. I would have a hard time disagreeing with that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's outstanding. It pairs really nicely with the Sandman and Starman, uh, which are two of my very favorite comics of all time. Guys, should we be doing a Vertigo comics podcast? <laughs> <before that? laughs> I would not have argued against that if it were the original suggestion. Uh, <laughs> but in addition to would be a... In addition no, to... We, yeah. <laughs> we can't do... God, we can barely do this one. <laughs> I think from the very beginning, though, we've recommended just about every Vertigo title yeah. that there is. There's yeah. so much good stuff. Uh, Rob, what do you got to, to recommend this month? Oh, uh, what you said. And uh, <laughs> Jamie, no. Uh, um, uh, I... Uh, again on the comics canon uh, which was a ball like it's just so fun mm-hmm. um it's so fun talking about the comics the way they walk through it which is different than how we do it right. and also not being responsible for keeping the podcast going. <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> i, I love a podcast fun. that i don't have to edit yeah <laughs> the best kind uh but uh yeah so again that was a, a great i think it's out now that yeah. that episode um and I am going to re- recommend what I said on there, double down. Um, Black Phoenix by Rich Tommaso. Um, this is something Joe Keating recommended. It's an omni- I have an omnibus collection of all of the output. Uh, so it was uh, this omnibus was put out in February of 2023 by Portland's own Floating World Comics. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. And I'm so happy they're getting into publishing as mm-hmm. well. As yeah. Just that's awesome. A cool shop. They are another shop that I do give money to and go yes. to that isn't just our beloved books with pictures. <laughs> but yeah. But I hope Katie's not listening. Yeah. <laughs> You're in trouble. Um, so, uh, like I said, Joe, Joe Keating recommended the book. Um, and in its purest form, it's uh, he recommended like you get a subscription where you get a physical or a digital but mm. physical copy each month that's just mailed to you um i didn't do that because i like giant heavy wrist-breaking books but it, <laughs> uh the 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 title is an homage to golden age comics of every variety romance horror sci-fi crime war spies funny animals Dang. and of course superheroes 
each story varies in length from 10 pages or so down to one in some cases. Oh. Just whatever Tommaso gets done on that title that that month. Oh, wow. Um, and he uses different art styles and pseudonyms for each genre. So uh, he's telling interesting and original stories while he's mining the golden age nuggets of greatness that inspire them. Um, there's also fake ads included, Fun. like Holy Done. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I will likely get around to a real subscription, um, like a monthly subscription, once I've made room for more floppies in my house. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, all right, strap in. I'm just going to name all the things that I've loved recently. So I saw Mission Impossible twice in the theater. It was so fun. I had a great time. <laughs> like I said, saw it twice. Yep. It's not short. It was great. Uh, you know, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise and all over the place. Uh, great direction. It was like funnier than most of them have been. Um, I feel like they just keep getting better and better if you don't count two. Okay. Mission Impossible 2 is very bad. That might have been oh, the last okay. one I saw. Yeah, that was the John Woo one with the pigeons, like, <laughs> you know, like slow motion <laughs> pigeoning around, like a knife fight and the virus, whatever. The rest of them are awesome. This if one there were knife just... fighting pigeons, I would watch. Oh, it. totally. Yeah. yeah, I'd be on for that. Um, yeah, I like highly recommend this one. And it's part one of two. And they told you that up front. Oh, take a like, note, Spider-Verse. Yeah, unlike certain other movies we could mention. <laughs> uh, I also saw, saw Barbie twice. And if you are one of the 20 people in the country who haven't yet seen Barbie, go see Barbie. I think I'm seeing it tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah, yeah you should. It's like so fun. It's so smart. Like just so many of the Oscars should go to that movie. Really fun and just. It's just a war. I, I haven't seen it. And I love all the the news coming out about it. Mm-hmm. And I just think I, I it's one of the moments where I'm like, I live in this world. Yes. Yeah. Where I, that is a thing. And maybe this isn't the worst timeline. Right? Yeah, it's one of those moments because like that message is now going to like millions of people yeah. who might not have absorbed it in other channels, yep. mm-hmm. which is like a fascinating thing. Yeah, And also like Barbie is an immensely culturally complicated thing mm-hmm. and they deal with it in ways that is like just very smart. Cool. Uh, I also saw Oppenheimer in the movie theater twice. Saw it. Feel good movie this summer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just a laugh riot. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the most tense uh, black and white talking could be. I think like, (laughs) like a study intention, like two people just having a conversation and like, there's just like ticking and pounding. Like the score is amazing. It doesn't wild character turn for Iron Man. Oh yeah. That was a real twist. Yeah. You saw his story ending that way. I didn't. Yeah. Cobalt man show up at any point. (laughs) I mean, it could be hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, uh, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but I've, I've kind of read a little bit about. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Yeah, they don't treat his uh, football helmet uh, in the same way. <laughs> yeah. You know, they have to change it a little bit. That's my movies. favorite thing about the character. I'm not watching it. <laughs> uh, Star Trek Changing Worlds, everyone should be watching. It's like the best Star Trek in years, maybe ever. I don't know. I, I, like, it, it's really great. Check it out. Futurama came back. Does everyone know Futurama came back? Yeah. yeah. Futurama came back. Watch Futurama so that they keep making more Futurama. It's like just as good as well, it was. Well, they bring it I back mean, in 10 years. I was going right? to say, they, they seem to continue making it whether I'm watching it or not. Oh, so. that Watchmen meme was really funny. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's 1993. Yep. I'm watching Futurama. It's 2003 and I'm watching Futurama. Uh, and then, uh, so a uh, friend of the podcast, Brian Michael Bendis and Andre Lima Arojo. Uh, wrote a series. I apologize for that pronunciation. Um, I tried. I tried to get an app, but it didn't work. Um, wrote Phenomena. Mm-hmm. Have you read it? Yeah. Yes. I was like, 
crap, I got to go out and buy. I was prepared to go buy all of it. Yeah. I was like, whatever there is, I'm going to buy. Good news. Five <laughs> volumes of this. I like put my shoes on and I was like, oh, maybe I'll like just check to see like what I'm getting into. Yeah. Should I bring the ATM card or the credit card, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There were none. There's no more. No, yeah. just the one. one this was done. just last year it came out. Yeah. yeah. So I was our, shocked. Was it? Yeah. Last summer. Mm-hmm. I is completely absorbing. I was yep. like entranced and loved it, and it's great, and everyone should read it. He, uh, when when he was over to record episode two hundred here, uh, brought a copy for my son, and uh, my son I've mentioned before is is a bit of a reluctant reader, and the next day uh, caught him just hanging out on the couch with his face buried in it. And Whoa! So yeah, uh, snapped a picture on the sly and sent it to uh, to Brian. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. The art was stunning. I, I'm just super entranced by it. Was that enough recommendations? Yeah, I, think, no, I think you did it. I okay. think you did it. I think you could do seven more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try and get to comics next time. All right. Well, yeah. there you go. Um, hey, everyone. Next week's episode is a Patreon-exclusive omnibus episode for the rest of what Marvel published in December of 1973. Um, we're going to cover nine issues, which honestly is going to feel like a vacation after <laughs> some of the omnibi that we have recorded recently. We have done some that have been twice that much. Um, we will always put a, fi- a free 15-minute preview on the public feed. Uh, you'll need to be a Patreon subscriber uh, to hear the whole thing. Uh, don't forget the Patreon subscribers get extended versions of all of our main episodes, including this one. It's just 4 bucks a month at patreon.com slash month. Review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever you use to listen to us. Take a screenshot of your five-star review. Send it to marvelbythemonth at gmail.com with your mailing address. We will put some free stuff in the mail for you. Um here is a prompt for you, uh, which came up in our Patreon Slack channel. What episode would you recommend to someone to get them to listen to the show? Ooh, tough call. Please do not say the first one. <laughs> we would... have gotten so much better since then. <laughs> like, start them out on one of the later ones, and they can work backward. Um, but anyway, yeah, put your recommendation in your review. Uh, Jamie will see it during one of his hourly checks of our uh, review totals. <laughs> yeah, I'm, a... I'm worried it's stuck. I think probably it's stuck, like the reviews aren't coming probably through. And there's yeah, a clear cash. There's, there's a logjam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we need, like, a bunch of reviews to come in to... Clear the logjam. I think that's uh-huh. what's happened. And, yeah. Yep. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Marvel by the Month and MarvelByTheMonth.com has links to our other social channels as well as our shop. And that is all for now. My name is Brian Stratton. Mine is Rob Milne. And I'm Jamie Winger. We'll see you in two weeks for next month. Until then, stay inside and read comics. 